0: Our family of listeners is growing every week. Thanks for listening live and through all our digital broadcasting channels. Spread the word to your friends to join our weekly conversation. It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions, our website, christianquestions.com. Here's Rick and Jonathan.
1: edith wharton once said there are two ways of spreading light to be the candle or the mirror that reflects it welcome to christian questions i'm rick and this is not your typical christian commentary as we look at bible related topics from a different perspective And you might say that ours is a long-term approach as we've been broadcasting the good news of the gospel for over 18 years and i'm jonathan and
2: that long-term different perspective has its basis in three things godly principles family values, honest dialogue, always done in a politically free zone. Rick, today is our 973rd broadcast, and we've talked the gospel with listeners on several talk radio stations throughout the eastern and central United States for many years.
1: And we figured it was time to bring the good news to the whole world by way of podcasting. So here we are. Thank you for joining us today. This is a call in format. We are caller friendly. So, Jonathan, let's get started. What's the subject matter for today's conversation?
2: Well, Rick, our question is Is Christianity really the light of the world? And our theme text is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that you may see your good works and
1: glorify your Father who is in heaven. So, The bottom line is this, the the world has systematically become, or it's becoming, a dark place. It's not that people are purposely looking to dwell in darkness, it's that people, many people have come to believe in things that had their origin in darkness and treachery. Wherever you look, you can see the subtle creeping in of thinking, philosophies, and actions that do not reflect the wholesome goodness of godly righteousness, but they rather engulf all in their path in a pervasive and deepening gloom that is labeled as a new understanding of what is good and acceptable. Now, Jesus emphatically told his followers to be the light of the world, to be that city set upon a hill for the whole world to see. So, how are we doing with that? Is Christianity truly the light of the world, or have we misrepresented and failed the light of the gospel? Is the world supposed to see our light and come to it, or are we specifically off track in our understanding?
2: Well, Rick, it's an interesting subject, and I was thinking about churchianity and Christendom has misrepresented the true gospel, and it is very dark. Um, if you read in 1 Timothy 4, 1-7, it describes their teachings as doctrines of devils, no light.
1: Well, and when you have no light, it's awful hard to be the light of the world. So it's always our objective with each subject we choose to approach it in a biblical and very relevant, practical way. We search out the original context of the scriptures that we cite. We try and find their true meaning and combine those scriptures with the pressing issues of our day to give you something to really think about. So to get this conversation started about Christianity as the light of the world, is it really the light of the world, or is it just a story we're making up, or is it a scripture we're reading that doesn't really work? Let's go to a, uh, a CNN special. This was from several years ago, Re- and, and the, the, the YouTube title for this was Religion to Become Extinct, Experts Predict. Now, this was several years ago. They were predicting it would become extinct in certain places by 2011. Again, several years ago, but let's listen in to the soundbite on this particular CNN report chat
3: with our religious affairs contributor richard green to find out what is going on are people just fearing god
2: less or they don't care as much i mean how did these guys even predict this richard
4: well these guys are not talking about what people believe why they do what they do what they're doing is they're analyzing the trends so they've got numbers from the census in these nine countries going back a hundred years and they show a very clear pattern in all of these nine countries Over time, more and more people are drifting away from religion. So what they're saying is this is a trend that's going to continue, and given time, religion will simply die out in those countries.
3: And why those countries? Is there something particular about them and not others?
4: Well, it's a question of where the data is available. These nine countries have the information available. The census has been asking people what their religion is. Many other countries, the census simply doesn't ask, so they weren't able to do the analysis there.
1: Okay, so you got this this data, this census, this is nine countries, religion seems to be dying, they're looking over the last hundred years. And I, I can certainly say that, yeah, I can see that. I can see that happening the way society works at this point. So again, the big question is is Christianity really the light of the world? To begin figuring this out, what we need to do is figure out what Jesus is teaching us regarding our light shining. Because, you know, you, you, you read that theme scripture, in Jonathan, just, just, I know you're going to read it again in the, in the text, but just read the first line of that. Let your light shine before men okay. in such a way. All right, so just let your light shine before men. What does that mean? Does that mean we're supposed to be bringing people to this great light here? Jesus mentions this idea of letting your light shine actually on two separate occasions. His first mention is immediately following the Beatitudes, and that's really where our theme scripture comes from. That's in Matthew chapter 5. Let's go to verses 13 to 16.
2: You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how could it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven.
1: All right, now we're going to be taking the scripture apart and going through it throughout the rest of the the podcast. But Jonathan, let's get started with uh, just kind of looking at this. This. In a lot of ways, sounds almost like a, a pep talk. It Je- does. Jesus is giving his followers a, a talk and saying, "Hey, look, guys, this is this is what you're capable of being. This is what I'm asking you to be. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be the salt of the earth. You're supposed to be the light of the world." There's this city that's set upon a hill, and, and when you're in the house, the light doesn't get put under a basket. It gets put out on the table so everybody can 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 draw from it. So. Jesus is saying to his followers, hey, you've got a great job. You're light. And,
2: and Rick, this whole thing made me think we're a steward of the truth. And he describes it as salt and as light. Right. And it's a responsibility that we're to take seriously.
1: It is. And so so the question is, okay, well, well, but what does that mean? What does it mean to be the light of the world? And again, if you ask the question, is Christianity the light of the world? I dare say if you look at the world and you see the condition of the world now, the answer would be, absolutely not. Christianity is not the light of the world, but Jesus said Christianity is the light of the world. So how do you get those two things to to, to agree with one another? Because they seem, at first glance, to be about as far apart as you can possibly imagine.
2: Great point, Rick. We'd love to talk to you right now. We're live. Call us at 866-985-4ALL. That's 866-985-4255, or leave us a comment
1: at christianquestions.com. And you can uh, leave us a comment via your Christian Questions app, or if you can um, uh, get on the uh, christianquestions.com. If you are listening via the Mixler platform, you can get on the chat board. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, so back to it. Jesus mentioned being the light of the world— in Matthew, in, in relation to the Beatitudes. We're going to get back to that in a bit. He also, in Mark and Luke, in Mark 4, 21 to 23, which we won't read, and Luke, light immediately follows the parable of the sower. Remember the parable of the sower and the seed that goes in all the different places? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jesus gives that parable. He gives the explanation of that parable. And then he says this, and this is in Luke 8, 16 to 18. Now... No
2: one, after lighting a lamp, covers it over with a container or puts it under a bed, but he puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see the light, for nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So take care how you listen, for whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks, he has He has shall be taken away from him.
1: All right. So again, he uses part of the exact same analogy in a different place. Here he's saying, you know, okay, you know, you're you're like that light on a lampstand, and the light that's on the lampstand inside the house is a pretty important fixture in the house, because without it, nobody can see. Anything that's happening, so so Jonathan, there's several things about these two sets of scriptures in which Jesus mentions our responsibility of being light that we want to touch on, and so so there's there's th- three basic points we want to make at this point. What, what what's the first one? The
2: ingredients of these lessons: salt
1: and light. Okay, we're going to discuss each of those a little bit later because they're very very important. You already alluded to that that they're important to understand and put into their. A proper perspective. What does it mean to be, as Jesus said in the previous scripture, the salt of the earth? What does it mean to be the light of the world? Because when you look at the world, Christianity is not lighting the way. And so you got to say, well, how is it that we could possibly be the light of the world? Or have we completely let Jesus down in what we're doing? I mean, that, that's the other, the, the other big question that we have to ask here. So we'll get into salt and light specifically as ingredients in this lesson in a little bit. What's the next point?
2: The examples of these lessons, salt's usefulness, a lighted city, and a lamp in a
1: house. Okay. Salt's usefulness, a lighted city, and a lamp in a house. We're going to talk about that later, too. So, so like, what are we going to talk about now? Well, give me a minute. (laughs) But we'll we'll get to that in in, in a little bit because there's a lot there. The usefulness of salt, what does it mean to be that city set upon a hill? What does that mean? Because that's pretty dramatic picture language. Because when you see a city set upon a hill all lit up in, 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 in darkness, it's like, it's magnificent. What does that mean for Christians? And what's the next point that we need to, to put in place?
2: The context of these lessons, your favorite thing.
1: That's right. Let's talk about that now, okay? <laughs> put everything else off, but let's talk about that part right here, right now. So, so the first lesson, the first time Jesus uses this analogy is in Matthew 5, and it's the Beatitudes, and you remember the Beatitudes, right?
2: Yeah, blessed are you if <laughs> right.
1: You know, blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You know, it, it gives you all of these these character lessons. So Jesus teaching his followers uh, how to be followers. That's what those Beatitudes are. Those are the how tos of being a follower of Christ. Be humble. Be gentle. Be merciful. Be willing to be persecuted. He's saying, these are the ways that you truly become a follower of me. It's, you don't become a follower just because you say, hey, I'm going to follow him. You become a follower by walking in his footsteps. And he told us how to do that with those beatitudes.
2: And Rick, speaking of uh, persecution, letting your light shine can be bothersome to some people in the world. Your light can reveal things about them they may not like, and so they may take it out on you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and, and, and that's such an important thing, and that's why the, the last of the Beatitudes is about being persecuted, and he gives more explanation on that. But Jonathan, you know, we always think of the Beatitudes as, as, you know, those first few verses in Matthew 5. I think it's the first 13 verses. But actually, all of Matthew chapter 5 and some of the context around it are part of that whole lesson And I really believe that that whole lesson, not just the Beatitudes part that everybody seems to know so well, but everything else, is one of the most important discipleship teachings that Jesus ever gave. You can't just take those first 13 verses. When you take everything that's around them and you absorb it all, he is telling us all about the incredible importance of being A follower of Christ. And throughout our um, conversation today, we're going to come upon what we call light bulb moments. If we're talking about being the light of the world, you want that light bulb to go on. So what's our first light bulb moment here?
2: Well, Rick, we become powerful examples of God's light when we live as Jesus did.
1: Okay, you're an example of God's light, not because you say so, but because you live as Jesus did. Okay, let's go to um, another YouTube soundbite. This is from Rebel Media. This is interesting. It's the, the, the YouTube video is called The War on Traditional Values Has Created a Lost, Angry, Confused Generation. It's an awful long title, but it has a lot of very, very good and important pieces. Let's listen.
3: Why are we so quick to throw away the values of our past? I've said this before on Twitter that I find it very sad we spend most of our time in universities. Deconstructing and destroying tradition and culture instead of creating any. This is the problem with postmodernism and deconstruction of older values. We've deconstructed religion, race, gender roles, tradition, the nuclear family, and much more. What have we left ourselves with? A generation of lost and confused individuals with no identity.
1: Well, that's a pretty indicting statement, (laughs) And and she's right. We have deconstructed so many things that were the values that kept society together. Amongst those values having been de- deconstructed, it are the values of Christianity, and that doesn't lead to anything really good.
2: And Rick, it reminds me of people are empty and hollow. There there's no sust- There's nothing. No backbone. Right. Right. And standard within them. Well. And you know what? Satan loves it. Yeah. Because anything he can do to knock the Christian off track and make them look stupid and bad, he'll do. And it seems like society is falling right in line.
1: Yeah, and we're going to get into some examples of that very thing. That now that you mentioned that, as we go through this podcast, so folks, stay with us for that. Uh, So you're you're right. There's not. It's hollow. It it's it's something that's there on the outside, but it's got no substance on the inside holding together. So the beatitudes. Very, very important character lessons are the first context. Now, Jesus, again, remember, mentions this whole idea of being the light of the world uh, just after the parable of the sower, okay? Jesus teaches us about spreading the gospel in that parable. He shows us what to do uh, as his followers. So it's interesting. In the first context that Jesus used the idea of being the light of the world, he told us how to be followers, In the second context that Jesus said, you are the light of the world and you need to shine brightly, he was telling us what to do. So he said, here's how to be and here's what to do. Both of those things have everything to do with being the light of the world. So that's getting us started, and that brings us to another light bulb moment, doesn't it?
2: It does, Rick. We become powerful forces of God's light when we do what Jesus did.
1: Okay, so when we live as Jesus did, as in the Matthew 5 context, that's the lesson, and in the Luke 8 context, it's when we uh, do what Jesus did, that's how we can begin to become the light of the world. So it gives you a sense of how do you make this actually happen. So now, look, Jonathan, many denominations would see this in many different ways. And many non-Christians would see this in many ways as well.
2: This brings us to another question. Is there a connection between salt and light in Jesus' example, and how are we to live?
0: CQ3D, three viewpoints, Christian, Christian, secular, and neutral.
1: Salt and light are two very common analogies in the New Testament referring to the life of a Christian. There is a deep connection between them and the teachings of Jesus that we are now talking about and understanding this deep connection will really help us to see how Christianity is, in fact, the light of the world. And again, again I say that, yes, Christianity is, in fact, the light of the world. When you look around, though, it's like, okay, show me the evidence of the light. And you go, uh, so, so you, there's got to be something more to this. There's just got to be something more, um, so let's get started by looking at some of Christianity's failures, okay? And there are a lot of them. And we're going to be dropping in periodically on on different views of Christianity's failures. We're going go, uh, to go an, to another news report. This is from CBN News in Paris, um, and it's talking—it's it, it's a segment on Europe without— Christianity. So that's kind of an interesting thing, but again, something that is actually factually happening in our world today.
5: Journalist Richard Miniter. As an American living in Europe, when you tell Europeans Sunday,
6: they look at you like a museum piece, something strange.
5: Near Brussels, at Christian Center and Assemblies of God Church, Belgian pastor Paul DeVos ministers to a culture in which Christianity is largely irrelevant.
0: In the United States, people would... Uh, more quickly turn toward at least Christ in general and Christianity because it's still somewhat part of the culture in general. Here in Europe uh, we have gone beyond uh, that point and we do not expect anything from religion apart from some very abstract hope that there is something after this life.
1: So that's kind of interesting, because he says, okay, the only thing that's expected from religion here is some kind of abstract hope, and that doesn't, that doesn't set really well. It's like, what do you mean? That's all Christianity has to offer is some abstract thing that maybe there's something after this life? Well,
2: Rick, if you think about Europe and the experiences of the past, you have to look back at the Dark Ages, you have to look back at the Holocaust, and actually some Christian groups supporting the Nazis, and you say... I mean, what do you expect from that yeah. example?
1: Well, yeah, and, and, and those are, are, are legitimate reasons when you look at the Holocaust and things like that to say, well, okay, if there is a God, uh, certainly he must have been asleep. Certainly he must not have been paying attention, or certainly he is, he's just a, a, a foolishness in, in the minds of men. So you're right. There, there's lots of reasons for people to doubt what Christianity is, and look, we've got to we've got to address that as we talk about this. So let's talk about salt because Jesus said, "You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world." He talked about being the salt of the earth first, so that means that there must be something there that's sort of a, I don't know, an introduction to being able to be the light of the world. So let's take a look at that. Let's take a few minutes here on salt. Let's go back to the Old Testament because salt plays a really interesting role in the religious life of the Jewish nation in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 2, verse 13.
2: "'Every grain offering of yours, moreover, you shall season with salt, so that the salt of the covenant of your God shall not be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings you shall
1: offer salt.'" Now that's an interesting thing. With all of the sacrificial offerings that Israel was supposed to offer, they had to offer salt. You say, "What? Why?" Well, here's the thing. First of all, salt is very common. It's a common, it's one of the most common minerals on the face of the earth, but it's also very, very valuable. Scripturally, it was offered with grain offerings and they were called covenants of salt in many, in many cases. That meant that they were firm covenants, okay? Meaning that when, when you salt, when God said you salt with the covenant, salt was a valuable commodity that you took the, that value of that along with the animal and said, here, here's the animal sacrifice with salt. I'm showing you how firmly I am making this promise. The, 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 covenant, the salt made the covenant even more firm. Another thing is that soldiers would buy salt with their wages because salt would keep meat and fish from spoiling. You see, the very first beef jerky way back when <laughs> <laughs> was, was, was something that, that soldiers carried with them because they could keep that meat for a very, very, very long time without it spoiling. And uh, so salt was very important in that. Now, let's jump to the New Testament With the idea of salt, because so salt in sacrifices was a big, big element. In the New Testament, there's a really strange scripture in Mark 9, 49 to 50, that has to do with salt. For everyone
2: will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Okay. Okay.
1: Everyone will be salted with fire. What the heck are you talking about? It doesn't even make sense. For us to be salted with fire seems to directly refer to the gold refining process. Now, how's that, Rick? All right. Well, here's the thing. Salt in gold refining in ancient times was one of the primary agents, chemical agents of separation. If you didn't put salt into the crucible with the gold it would not be stimulated with the heat to separate the elements, to separate the gold from the dross. That's what salt did. You had to have a significant amount of salt in that process to be able to come out with gold. That's interesting. Yeah, it really, it really is. And, and a lot of us, you know, it's just something we just don't know a whole lot about. So this salt factor teaches us that uh, it, we believe that it directly refers to the strength and focus of a Christian's, character so when jesus says and 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 jonathan this is a lot of my own you know an opinion of mine there can be other perspectives on salt for sure but when i look at it i think that it's talking about the strength of character um are submitting ourselves to being in line with the pattern of christ so that the holy spirit can accomplish its work in us kind of like in the refining process if you submit yourself to the salt then the gold can come forward if you don't, it won't. God cannot work good things through a bad character. You have to have a good character as the tool through which the refining can happen.
2: Rick, I wonder what our listeners think. The conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.com. Contact us there with your questions or comments. Also, interact with us on Facebook. Tweet us at CQNet Radio. And we're now on Instagram and give us a call at 866-9854 all.
1: And folks, also don't forget, programs like this, every podcast we do uh, is complete with a with a secure rewind document that you can get sent to you uh, once a week if you sign up for Secure Rewind, the full edition. It is a tremendous service. I mean, Jonathan, people, we we get such great response from having that document available. It's a free service. You can sign up for it through your app or through ChristianQuestions.com. And if for some reason you don't like it, you can unsubscribe with the click of a button, and that's the end of that. A free service. It gives you the documents, it gives you the scriptures, it gives you the illustrations that help us, uh, that we use to help make the scriptural points we're talking about. So you can rewind the full edition. Give it a try. Okay. Colossians 4, 6, back to salt. Let your
2: speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that
1: you will know how you should respond to each person. Okay, your speech should be with grace, seasoned with salt. And I think that means really seasoned with really good character. Have a a, a stellar character flow through your speech. See, now, to me, Jonathan, salt is not the measure of our faithfulness. It's an ingredient in the purifying of our faithfulness. Because when we come to Christ, we should not be the same person as when we have been a Christian for a long time. Right? There should be a difference. Right. Yes. And that is the where salt comes in into the development of that character to make us something different than when we started. Something higher, something better, something stronger, something more spiritual. So, so, So thus, we look at salt... The character is not an end, but a means to an end. Focused character brings a purity of purpose. It literally brings good flavor to our lives and those around us and, and, and the preservative quality that imperfect humanity so desperately needs. So good character, salt, can preserve relationships. It can bring flavor to life. That's what good character can do if we allow it to.
2: And, Rick, I was thinking that salt is often used for household chores. One example is a stain remover. Um, It cleans coffee pots. Uh, It can be used for healing, salt water um, in the ocean for cuts and things. And you can gargle with it for sore throats. Um, Our word should help remove... I was... I can't read my own writing. Stains? (laughs) Yes, exactly. The stains of life.
1: That's what it sounds like you're trying to say.
2: Promote spiritual health and heal the wounded.
1: Okay, so you remove the stains of life, you remove the infections of life, all through the administration of salt. You're right, salt is common. It's everywhere, but it has all of these incredibly very, very powerful and very, very significant uses. You are the salt of the earth. Again, the big question is, is Christianity really the light of the world? To become the light of the world, you first have to be salty. What does that mean? We're talking about that good character of a Christian. Great quote here from Albert Schweitzer. Sometimes our
2: light goes out but is blown into flame by another human being. Each of us owes
1: deepest thanks to those who have rekindled this light. All right. We want to be the light of the world. Now, again, when you look around in the world and you look at Christianity— you don't see Christianity as the light of the world. But folks, I am telling you that Christianity is the light of the world. How is that so? Stay with us. Let us develop this as a, as a subject step by step, and you can see how Christianity truly is a light of the world, in, a, in the light of the world in a very, very, very unique way. But that quote really is is, is wonderful because it says sometimes we get discouraged and we get put off, off course. Another human being. And in this case, we look to our, our the brotherhood of Christianity can help to rekindle that flame that we're supposed to be. Uh, so this brings us to another one of our, okay, that light bulb goes on. That means you have a light bulb moment. What is there about salt here that's important?
2: Well, Rick, a salted character is a clear and unmistakable template to display godly righteousness in a world that has lost its way.
1: All right, so that's part of it. The clear and unmistakable template that displays righteousness, and we all know that the world has absolutely lost its way. All right, let's go to another soundbite, A- and Jonathan, we're going go to go back to this guy several times, and you're looking at me with that disdain look like, really? Do yeah, we this have is to- no fun. No, this isn't. Well, th- you know what? The title of this YouTube video is 10 Things I Hate About Christians. So, incoming, prepare yourself. But again, we're asking the question, is Christianity really the light of the world? You get people like this with their kind of complaints and you can see why people think absolutely christianity has nothing to do with light in this world so let's listen to one of several sound bites we're going to go to from this particular uh... youtube video
6: i'm anisian and this is ten things i hate about christians they sound crazy
7: Yeah, uh, what are you doing? I am praying to God. What's that? I'm talking to the creator of all things. That's
0: strange, because I don't see a hands-free Bluetooth device.
7: He doesn't need a phone to hear me, silly. So, is he in the closet or something? No, he's everywhere, all the time.
6: They cherry-pick which parts of the Bible they actually follow.
7: You know, God says we should kill witches, so if I ever meet one... So you would murder a witch? Exodus 22.18, not suffer a witch to live. Here's the
0: problem. You eat bacon, and the Bible specifically instructs its followers not to eat any form of pig. Well, uh... You can stop being a nutcase now.
1: Okay, so, you know, you can clearly tell, Jonathan, when you're being picked on, and, and such is the case <laughs> with such a video. Why do we play it? Because these are real, legitimate questions that people have about Scripture and about Christianity and say, yeah, Christianity is dumb in its approach to things. And You know, when you look at it the way they're looking at it, I get it. I understand why they're saying it. Do I think they're right? Absolutely not. But you've got to be able to get and appreciate why they're saying it. Now, are there answers for all those things? Oh, you betcha. Oh, you betcha. But we're not going to go into all those answers at this point. What we are going to go into, though, is feeding that frenzy by taking a look at the backwards world that our salted characters have to deal with. Folks, this next scripture is a powerful scripture that describes a real mess of the world. It's a prophecy in Isaiah 5, 18 to 21, and then we're going to go to verse 23, but listen to how it describes the world.
2: Woe to those who drag iniquity with the cords of falsehood and sin as if with cart ropes, who say, let him make speed, let him hasten his work that we may see it, and let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come to pass that we may know
1: it. So they're saying, okay, you know, we're they're they're draw, dragging iniquity along with the cords of falsehood, okay? Creating stories and lies and so forth. And they're saying, Okay, look, look, let God be hasty, let God show himself, because you know, if he wants to be seen, we're all ready to see him, but hurry up because you know, we don't have him all day. So they're saying, it's a very facetious way to look at, at God Almighty, making you God, commanding God to appear in the way that you want him to. And then it gets a little even worse than that. Verses twenty to 21.
2: Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who
1: are in wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Okay. Substituting light for darkness and darkness for light. That sounds like pretty much the whole world right now, right? It really does, Rick. Okay. Substituting bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Sounds like the whole world right now, right? It's backwards. Those who are wise in their own eyes. Again, backwards, becoming God, not looking up to God. And then verse 23.
2: Who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away the rights of the ones who are in the
1: right. Okay. Sounds like today, Rick. It certainly does. And it's a really, it's a great prophecy that helps us to see just what the world uh, has come to and what, what the world looks like in terms of, of um, morality, in terms of things that you can rely upon. See, Christianity does have standards, and they're standards that we believe are set beyond humanity. And that means there are standards that we have to look up to. What this is saying is there comes a time. When all of that is trying to be washed out, washed away, put aside, because man is got the, all of the wisdom in his own head and in his own heart, and that doesn't work well for anybody under any circumstances. And and even Christianity is being dumbed down yes. in the same way. At very, very, very seriously so, especially when you take the, 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 the prosperity gospel and how it takes the principles of Christian sacrifice and turns them into uh, Christian... Um, Christian accumulation, just something wrong. So a salted character has to precede our being light. You have to have that salted character before you can be light because its dramatic contrast with worldly thinking is necessary so we can maintain the light of God's direction throughout life. So you see, if you don't have that strong, strong Christian character, you're never going to be able to be the light of the world. Salt has to come first. That really is what we're talking about here, and that's an important place to start. All of
2: that being said, what about this question? We've talked about the importance of salt. So now, what about light? We are light, or is it given to us?
0: You thought we had it figured out. Time to make things more complicated.
1: So in Matthew 5, Jesus tells us, blessed are you if, and we talked about that earlier. His very next statement is that his followers are the salt of the earth. We just talked about that, which means they're to have godly characters that could literally preserve and enhance the human condition. And then he says, they're to be the light of the world. Well, let's look look into how we become this light. How do you become light because that's what he says. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine. There, there, there's got to be some kind of process, and there is, for literally becoming the light of the world. Is Christianity really the light of the world? Oh yeah. Can you prove it by looking out in the world? Oh no. So how do you make those two things work together? Again, let's go back to Matthew 5, 16. Jonathan, that is our theme scripture.
2: Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And Rick, we want to bring honor to God and glorify Him and not ourselves. Right. Though people may see our good works, it's not about us.
1: And see, here's the thing. We don't naturally possess the light of God. We don't. We don't naturally possess it. And you're right. It's not about us. So to let our light shine, we have to go first find the light. And the light isn't natural. So it can't be about us because we don't own it to start with. Now, we're given it if we do the right things and we live the right way and we follow sacrificially and all of that. But you got to find it first. So how do you find this particular light? And, Jonathan, there's a lot of different kinds of light in the world. And the kind of light that we are looking for is the light of Christianity. And that is a powerful, powerful thing if we understand what it is and how to use it. So again, referring back to the having that salted character. A salted character will help us to stay focused on the contrast between godly light and darkness. Great scripture in Proverbs 4, 18 and 19. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter
2: and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they stumble.
1: Okay, so the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shining brighter and brighter. So where are we getting our light from? Is our light a different source than the light that the world seeks? And I I would absolutely say yes, that's an important question. So when you feel like you've got light, when you've been enlightened, what's the source of that enlightenment? Is it godly principle and righteousness? Is it following after Jesus? Or is it something entirely different? Because sometimes light is not so bright because of what it brings us. Let's go back to another soundbite sound from the CNN report on religion to become extinct. Um, and this is focusing on nine specific countries uh, in Europe and the, and the tremendous downsizing of Christianity.
3: Richard, one of the interesting things was actually the influence of social media and and social media networks on
2: the no religiousness of some of these countries, right?
4: That's right. One of the assumptions that these guys are working with is that you're affected by your friends. It's, you see it on Facebook. They say if you look at people's friends on Facebook, you can predict their politics, their religion, their income. So what these researchers say is, look, if you know even a couple of people who don't go to church, who don't go to mosque, you are more likely not to go yourself. And the more people you know who are not churchgoers, who are not religious, the less likely you are to yourself.
3: Are the guys who did this research Right. I wouldn't bet on it.
1: <laughs> you know, and he's saying he's not going to bet on that, that uh, Christianity is going to become extinct. What he's saying, though, is it has diminished in a great, great sense. And you're right. The, the social media world has diminished the value of it because people find fulfillment in their, in their chatting and texting and all of, in all of those things. So um, our light originates in, in God through Jesus, Jonathan. So our light starts from the outside and works its way in. Uh, John 8, 12. Then Jesus
2: again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me
1: will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay. Our light comes from the outside and works its way in to our lives. That's the most important thing to understand about light at this moment. Great quote here, Jonathan, from Martin Luther King Jr.
2: Darkness cannot drive out
1: darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. All right, so again, darkness can't overcome darkness. It just becomes dark in a different way. Light, however, can take care of that. Um, So it really is an important aspect to understand how to put all of this together. And um, what we want to do is put ourselves in a situation where we're focusing on the right kinds of things. So the light of God through Jesus is a tool that shows us the way. Carry that light. Believe in that light. Let's go to Psalm uh, 119, 105.
2: Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path.
1: Okay, simple, straightforward scripture. Your word's a lamp and a light. It's outside coming in for us. Psalm 27, 1.
2: The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread?
1: Again, the light is from the outside in. Jonathan, looks like we have a call. Good evening. Welcome to Christian Questions. I believe we have Julius on the line. Hello, Julius.
8: Hey, good evening, brother. Good evening to you and Jonathan, the whole team, and all our friends throughout the world. Thank Greetings you. Greetings to everyone. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, I think you just quoted a scripture that's uh, one of my, uh, the ones that I was thinking about. You know, uh, the thing that strikes me on this subject is that uh, our Heavenly Father is styled our God. He's styled as light. In the first epistle of John, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, there, Our God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And uh, the text that you you just quoted, uh, uh, Psalms 119, 105, I think connects to what uh, I'm, uh, my thought tonight, that is, that we have no light of our own, right? that we need to go to a source. That's our Heavenly Father. So uh, I think that's that's us. Uh, It should humble us that it's all from him. It's all from our Father. The Lord Jesus exemplified that also. We have no light of our own. God bless. All
1: right, Julius, thanks so much. We appreciate your thoughts, and good scripture as always. Thank you. And, and he's right. We have no light of our own, but we can become the light. And the question is, how do you get there? And the first step, as Julius was, was was intimating, is you've got to take the light from somewhere else. You've got to take that light and adopt it for your own, outside in. That's how we get light. So, so you know, w- w- the last two scriptures that you read, Jonathan and Julius, thanks again for the thoughts and, and the scriptures. We're from Psalms about care and, about and believing in the light of God. Light is also a tool that feeds us and kindles a positive outlook. Not only do we have to carry and believe in that light, we have to absorb it. We have to, we, it's, got to, it's got to kind of like filter itself into our being. Psalm 97, 10, and 12 really tells us that.
2: Hate evil, you who love the Lord. Who preserves the souls of his godly ones? He delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is sown like seed for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name.
1: Okay, so hate evil, you who love the Lord. Um, Light is sown like seed for the righteous ones and gladness for the upright in heart. When you think about it, sown like seed for the righteous ones. What does a seed do? It absorbs the nutrients of the soil and the water so it can grow. We have to absorb the light of God so we can grow. The light that we get is not from inside of us. It's from outside of us. It's got to be from the outside in. This is how. These are the beginning steps, Jonathan, of how Christianity truly is the light of the world, even though when you look at all the evidence, it certainly doesn't look like it, not even a little bit. Go ahead.
2: Our brethren and our fellow Christians are not perfect. We all make mistakes, Rick. We need to let our light shine by being forgiving and helpful. And if not, it can contribute to the
1: light becoming dimmer within us and within other Christians. All right. So... Because and that's why it's so important to realize the light that we have is not ours. it doesn't it doesn't come from us. and we're all imperfect, and that shows that you know there's a lot of darkness in each of us. and you're right, we've got to be willing to make those 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 uh, have that understanding and make those adjustments so we don't expect perfection. Look, if you can give perfection, yeah, go ahead, then you can expect perfection. But I will remind you that Jesus did give perfection and he didn't expect it. so so there, <laughs> okay. But anyway, let's go back. Let's go back to 10 things I hate about Christians. Sorry, but I want to go back there because it gives a sense of how people look at Christianity, how people look at the Bible, and they really see it as something that is just, it's just something that you can just simply make fun of. Let's listen.
6: Many of them regularly oppress others while still pretending they're good people.
7: I'm not a judgmental person, I just don't think gay people should be allowed to get married. So,
6: gay people shouldn't have the right to marry consensual loving adults.
7: It's not me, it's the Bible. It says here, if a man lies with a male, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death.
6: They often preach about respecting other people's religious beliefs, but don't really practice that themselves.
7: There is a war on Christians right now, and it's unacceptable. Religious freedom is part of the foundation of our great nation. Muslims. They are all terrorists and should be banned from this country.
6: They literally believe God will forgive most anything. Ugh, you're not trying to get me to go to church, are you?
7: I'm just letting you know that I'm moving next door and I'm a registered sex offender. I may or may not have raped and molested multiple people. Okay, so I'm definitely moving now. Don't judge! The Bible says! The Bible says, "John one nine, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." I can't wait to meet all the other forgiven rapists and pedophiles in heaven.
1: Okay, timeout. You know, and, and Jonathan, I, I almost didn't want to use that particular piece because I it's, know why. <laughs> it, it's it's entirely, utterly, completely, overtly offensive and misrepresenting. It is it is a lie about Christianity. It's an out and out, absolute, positive lie. But decided to use it for that very reason, because some of the things that they're accusing Christianity of, what they're saying is, well, you know, there's there's there are other sources of light, and Christianity is in darkness, and you should see that they're misrepresenting what true forgiveness is in Christianity. Because here's the bottom line, and, and I just have to say this, in Christianity, forgiveness means changing what you do. It, the, the whole concept of forgiveness is changing direction. And when, when people say, well, yeah, you're forgiven, you can do whatever you want. No, 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 that is a myth. It's like Greek mythology there, and, and you're making God like the gods of mythology. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's completely off. Their representation, uh, again, the, and i'm mad now see i chose to to play that and it made me mad <laughs> but again is christianity the light of the world because that's the world that's in a lot of ways the way the world looks at us and it says yeah you have this big double standard and you know all christians the way they 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 represented, all christians believe that all muslims are terrorists oh stop already will you grow up you know, stop being such a child and making such, such accusations that you have nothing to support it with. You take a few words out of context and you build a story. Congratulations, you're just like everybody else who doesn't want to know what the truth is. Because the truth is that the character, the salt of Christians and what goes into their lives and the light that we are given is transformative. And every one of those people who makes fun of us and who looks down at us, and who laughs at us, and who ridicules us, benefits by the goodness of what true Christian salted character is, and what true Christian light is. They benefit from it. They just will never, ever admit it. So, okay, I'm off my soapbox now. I feel a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we can go a little further. You know, light itself in the scriptures is a tool of defense. It is armor. We should wear it. And the scriptures tell us to do that. Romans 13, 12 to 14.
2: The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts all
1: right so again this is talking about it says put on the armor of light that means the armor of light is not part of you you know we're not like a turtle okay a turtle naturally grows a shell of armor and when there's danger it just hides inside that shell and it protects it it gets protected that way christians aren't like that We don't have that natural shell of armor. And so what what we're being told here in in, in Romans is to put on the armor of light. That means that the light of God through Jesus will be able to protect you in your life, in your experiences, in the things that happen to you and around you uh, and for you.
2: And Rick, it also says,
1: put on the
2: Lord Jesus Christ.
1: So... When you think about it, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So when it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and it says, put on the armor of light, what it's saying is, put on Jesus Christ, who is the armor of light, who can protect you from the bad things of the world. Now, does that mean that bad things are not going to happen to you? Nope. What it means is that the bad things that will inevitably happen to you will not undermine that salted character, and that life of sacrifice. They will actually enhance it. They will make it better for the purpose of godly things. That is a hint as to how to become the light of the world. And again, Jonathan, this is the outside in, in terms of, of, of Christian light. To wear the righteousness of Jesus is to be clothed with an unmistakable, powerful, godly, light. You look at the world, you can't see evidence that Christianity is the light of the world. But Christianity is the light of the world. Not Christian systems. Christian systems are not the light of the world. True Christianity is the light of the world. And we've got to really begin to develop that. Let's get to our, our okay, I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: No, Rick, uh, let's get to our light bulb moment. There you go. God's, God's light in our lives as an unbreakable lifeline for us to hold and follow as we seek to draw ourselves ever closer to Jesus.
1: Okay. God's light is that unbreakable lifeline. Uh, and, and you hold on to a lifeline. And when you're when somebody throws you a lifeline, you not only hold on to it, you pull yourself toward the source of that lifeline. That's, That's right. what it is. That's how we draw closer to Jesus. So so now we begin to get closer to the main application of light. Uh, and the main issues with Christianity being light, because we're seeing that light is something that we can put on, that we need to absorb, that's from the outside in. How do we take that and now begin to really truly develop it in a powerful way? This is starting to make sense, but what about
2: this? Okay, we see, carry, absorb, and wear the light of God, but how do we become that light?
0: There are easy questions where answers come quickly. Let's tackle this big question that isn't so easy.
1: Actually becoming light? Becoming light is a big, big step. Think about it. A tradesman begins as an apprentice and works with and for a master of his trade until such time as he truly internalizes his craft and is tested thoroughly enough to prove himself. We also must internalize our craft, and our craft is living the gospel. That's our craft. It's not knowing the gospel. It's not talking the gospel. It's not reading the gospel. It's not hearing the gospel. It's not thinking about the gospel. Our craft is actually living the gospel, and that means having that salted character, and that means taking the light of God through Jesus and absorbing it, and wearing it, and following it, and making it part of our everyday. Okay, that's part of how Christianity is actually the light of the world. Now, again, I know it's not making sense in terms of a conclusion, but we want it to begin to make sense in terms of, okay, there's a process to become light. And we're talking about the in the external first. External first, it has to become internalized. All that being said, let's go back to the um, CBN um, news, um, uh... news uh, video that we were uh, talking about um, from from youtube europe without christianity the end of faith in europe and in this they they talk about you know w- what's happened in europe uh... in the absence or in the diminishing of such things as christianity
5: there have been news reports recently that although church attendance in europe is low belief in god is actually very high but belief in what sort of God? Judging from surveys, it's a New Age faith with a large dose of moral relativism. Vince Esterman, a Frenchman who grew up in Australia, has been a French pastor for almost 20 years and has a dynamic street ministry in Paris. And although he has led a lot of Frenchmen to Christ, he doesn't talk much about revival. He speaks of a Europe that is still moving away from God.
8: Europe that was the custodian of the Gospel in the very early Uh, decades, uh, now is, is the continent that is rejecting the gospel and Christianity. And so we have seen France go into decline, and with it, Europe generally.
1: Okay, so what happens is in the absence of absolutes, and Christianity certainly is built around absolutes, in the absence of absolutes, you always have moral relativism. And that's what they mentioned in the soundbite. You always have that ability to say, okay, it's right because I say so. It's right because I feel it. It's right because he said so and I agree with him, so therefore it must be. There is destruction written all over moral relativism. That's a subject for another day. But, you know, again, Christianity, light of the world. How does Christianity become the light of the world when it seems to be losing all of its ground, everywhere. Let's go back to a portion of our original text uh, from Matthew 5, uh, verses 14 and 16. And now we're going to really try to get into becoming light. We talked about wearing it and all of that. How do you become light?
2: You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anything anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way
1: that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. All right. Now, in verse 14, the first sentence says something really remarkable. After all, we've talked about, about absorbing the light, and it comes from other places. What is that first sentence in Matthew 5, 14? You are
2: the light of the world.
1: Okay. Somehow, it's now inside out. Remember, it was always outside in. Right. Now it's inside out. How did it get there? What happens? What does it mean that you become the light of the world? And folks, this is where you gain traction in understanding how Christianity, true Christianity, not Christian systems, not Christian denominations, but true Christianity is the light of the world. So let's talk about being the light of the world and the light that is in the house. Okay, Remember in, in, in the Matthew 5, there was light that was on, on the hill, the city on the hill, light in the house, and being the light of the world. Okay, We're going to save the city on the hill for later, uh, but let's talk about becoming light, and that light that Jesus described as being in the house and not wanting to cover it up because it lights up uh, the, the environment for everybody else. Okay, So to actually become light, we need to be related to the source of all light. Because that's how you become it. You want to be a blood relative, if you will. Okay. So let's look at Romans 8, 14 to 17.
2: For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry
1: out, Abba, Father. Okay. Okay. We have been adopted into God's family, and now we cry out to God, Abba, Father. Now you know the word Abba, in 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 the Greek language, has that sense of a of a of a little infant's uh, a babbling, if you will. You know, and it almost sounds like that's what a, a baby says when they don't know what the words are. And it was it was thought that. that Children were were innocent and were were literally praising God before they knew how to speak. Abba, 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 calling out to God. And that's where Abba Father came from. It's a very sensitive look at what the relationship is, the blood relationship. Now, I, I said we're adopted, but we have a blood relationship because of the blood of Christ. To become light, you have to have that blood relationship and apply it in that adoption. So that's the first thing, okay? So so the second thing is the proof of this sonship, of this blood relationship is born out, it's born out in the begetting of the Spirit of God. And, and again, we're going to go Romans, Romans chapter 8. We did verses 14 and 15, and now let's go to 16 and 17.
2: The Spirit itself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him.
1: Okay, so sonship, therefore, also means brotherhood. And this means mutually shared experiences. You know, I grew up with my brother. My brother and I are a year and 10 months apart. And once he got old enough, I'm a little older. I'm older. you know. I like to say I'm older and smarter. He doesn't like the smarter part, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but we did everything together. And we had that camaraderie of brothers. And when we were young, we used to play basketball. And even though he was almost two years younger, he would play with me and my friends. And he got to be really, really good because he was always playing with kids older than him. And you know, Jonathan, in our entire life, I know I'm getting off on a tangent, but this is brotherhood, okay? We love to play basketball, and when we were kids, there was never in our entire life a time when we played two other guys. I don't care who they were, where they were from, where we ever lost. Wow. And, and and it was because we were brothers, and we knew each other, and it was all about being that unit. That's the brotherhood that's being spoken of here, that the Spirit of God, when it comes upon you and it comes upon me, we have that connection, and it is powerful, and it changes things. And that's the blood relationship to the blood of Christ that you can now become light with. Great quote from uh, Ben Sweetland.
2: We cannot hold a torch to light another's path without brightening our own.
1: And that's part of brotherhood. That's part of doing the, the things that are necessary to, to really bond together for a common person purpose, I'm sorry, as, as brothers would do.
2: Great point, Rick. To our listeners uh, listening live, we'd love to hear from your, you right now, your feedback, questions or comments. Call us at 866-985-4255. That's 866-985 for all. Or you can also leave us a voicemail or leave us a comment at christianquestions.com.
1: Okay. So now, you know, we've gone through the the adoptive process. We've gone through the 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 Holy Spirit, the God's power and influence being that that uh, that that joining influence upon us to be able to become light. Third, as a result, we're transformed into light because now we're proclaimed to be literally children Of light Ephesians 5 8 through 10 and I think Julius uh, alluded to the scripture earlier on in his call
2: for once you were darkness but now in the Lord you are light live as children of light for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord
1: okay you are children of light if you are a child of light you are born into light You are begotten by light. That means you become light. You grow up to be light just like your dad. And see, how is Christianity the light of the world? Well, first of all, you have to have that character that we talked about and you have to absorb it from the outside and learn about it. And then you get to a point where you can now become a light that actually shines by just being. By literally entering the room, you can change the way the the, the whole environment looks by your mere personal presence. And that, to me, that is a powerful, powerful thought.
2: And Rick, I like the thought of, for the fruit of the light is found in all things good, right, and true. So the fruit is the light that's coming out of us. The fruits of the Spirit are being seen.
1: Right. That's what the light produces. It produces that transforming character that can have an effect on things around you being light means not just knowing what godly righteousness is but being righteous and godly that's what that's what this really uh, really is all about now 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 the fourth point and, and you know just jonathan one other quick point on that um just from a, a personal experience again um and i think i may have shared some of these kinds of experiences but, but years ago i used to work in a shop and, and, you know, cause you worked with me for a while and yep. uh, the, the, the place, especially when I first went there was pretty foul in its language and in its, in its manner. And just by being there and not engaging in that over years, the entire environment crept up higher. I ended up becoming the general manager. Didn't make people change their language, but out of respect, they did. The, the subject matter, out of respect, it lifted up a little bit. It was just an amazing thing that can happen when you are light. You can be light of the world that way. Okay, fourth point. As children of light, we have to shine that light at home, all right, among our family in Christ. Just because everybody else, you know, you, fellow Christians are, 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 are also children of light, doesn't mean you don't shine your light with them. That means you really got to be shining your light with them in that environment. Galatians 6, 6-10. to
2: The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life.
1: Okay, so so uh, the apostles talking about our interactions with each other and he's saying whatever you sow you reap. You know, if you're going to sow to your flesh amongst the brotherhood, you're going to reap corruption amongst the brotherhood. You don't want to be doing that. That is counterproductive to everything that Jesus taught us to do.
2: And another great point is we're to let our light shine to other teachers um you know, pastors that are are preaching the the good news, they need spiritual encouragement, right? And and fellowship too, so that can strengthen them. So we we have a responsibility to uplift our pastors.
1: Well, you know, and, and that's that's a really really important point because just because they're they're teaching you doesn't mean they don't need help. It doesn't mean that they don't get discouraged. It doesn't mean they don't have difficult trials and tribulations, and you're right. That's a part of our personal responsibility. Uh, Verses 9 and 10 of Galatians 6.
2: Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household
1: of faith. Okay, so do good to all men, but especially those that are part of that fellowship. Especially. Let your light shine everywhere. So Jonathan, the whole point about being light is the light never turns off. If you are light, it doesn't ever stop. If you borrow light, you can put it down. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be light light so let's go back to 10 things i hate about christians just to put a damper on the whole thing shall we oh um, thanks <laughs> <laughs> okay this one's a short one let's listen
6: they irrefutably oppress women you know your religion is horrible to women right no
0: first timothy 2 11 let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness i do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man that's
7: one example
0: deuteronomy twenty two twenty eight says that if a man rapes a woman then all he has to do is pay the father money and then she has to marry him more non-believer
7: propaganda here check it out
1: Okay, we irrefutably oppress women. Um, Okay, fine. You can think that. You ought to talk to a few Christians. You ought to talk to some Christian women and ask them about the oppression. You know, talk talk to those who are deeply dedicated to Christ. Don't talk to people that just maybe just go to church on Sunday. Talk to the real, real, real Christians and find out what kind of oppression they feel. And what you're going to find is they don't. What you're going to find is there is a liberty in Christ that frees us in a very different way. Is the relationship between men and women clearly defined in Christianity? It certainly is for a very specific godly purpose. But there is not oppression, period. It's a lie, Jonathan. It's a lie. It's taking one line here and one line there and drawing a conclusion. And all you're doing is causing damage. And you're making yourself feel good by saying, See? See how much I know? See how little they know? No. See how ignorant you are by taking things out of context and not bothering to find out From somebody who might know what the real truth of the matter is okay i'm done (laughs) as children of light uh you know we have to have an expectation to follow and imitate the steps of jesus first thessalonians 5 4 to 6 and then verse 8
2: but you brethren are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief for you are all sons of light and sons of day we are not of night nor of darkness So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation.
1: So the expectation to follow and imitate the steps of Jesus is very, very pointed in these verses. And again, it talks about us as being sons of light, sons of the day. We are... are, light begat us we are therefore responsible to be what we were we are begotten to be examples of very strong powerful godly light not the black light of of this world but godly lights light bulb moment John, jonathan for this segment we
2: are to be god's light on earth tasked first with being a steady, inspirational light to others within the household of faith.
1: If we can truly be that light within the household of faith on a daily, regular basis, that means your light never turns off, ever, for any reason. Then, actually being the light of the world is going to make a whole lot more sense, But folks, we saved being. How is a Christian really be the light of the world for our final segment? Because you have to put everything else in order first. You have to have that salted character. You have to be able to absorb light, to put on light. Then you have to be begotten of the light, as as the scriptures say. So we can actually see the Bible showing us here that we are light. So now the next thing is is to say, what comes after that?
2: Okay, Rick, we got the point. But what about when will that light we are becoming actually show the way for the masses of humanity?
0: Our CQ team has the tools. Time to go to work. We're reviewing the evidence. Now let's put it together.
1: In a dark and troubled night, light does show the way. And in so doing, it provides a beacon of hope and direction. The gospel and those who live it are such a beacon for our misery-torn world. So our next focus will be on where this beacon leads to. Because, Jonathan, when there's a beacon of light, you think about a lighthouse, and it's got Mm -hmm. that powerful beacon of light. It shines to some place. To be the light of the world is to be a beacon of light that is shining someplace someplace different. That's the point of our being the light of the world. However, before we get to answering that, we got to go— Do we
2: have to, Rick? Do we have to?
1: <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> one, one last time to 10 things I hate about Christians, uh, because, you know, Jonathan, a lot of people think these things, and it's highly unfortunate that they think them out of utter ignorance, for lack of a better better word.
6: Despite knowing how truly screwed up their religion is, they continue to follow it anyway.
0: you realize the Bible is literally pro-slavery? Like if the Bible was a person and could vote, they would say slavery is a good thing. What's
7: the quote this time? Leviticus
0: 25, 44. As for your male and female slaves, whom you may have, you may buy male and female slaves from among the nations that are around you. That's the Old Testament. It's a huge part of this book, the one that's the foundation of your religion, the Holy Bible. Old Testament, key word. Old. Okay, um, Ephesians 6.5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. That's the Bible promoting slavery and the New Testament as well. Wow. You're still a Christian, aren't you? Yep. Idiots.
1: Okay, all right. So, and, and <laughs> we've done actually several, several uh, podcasts on, on this very issue. And it is entirely when you take the scriptures in their context— what they teach is entirely different than what this young man is 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 uh, assuming. And that's all he's doing. He's making an assumption. He's reading a sentence and saying, oh, look, this promotes slavery. There's nothing in the New Testament that promotes slavery any way, shape, matter, or form. In the Old Testament, you can make an argument for slavery, but you also have to understand all of society in the Old Testament. Enough said on that. Suffice it to say that the accusation that Christianity promotes slavery, is about as false as you can possibly be, you need to understand what the words are, how they were spoken, to whom they were spoken, in what context they were spoken, and then maybe you'll get the light. But until then, you're just going to be stuck in darkness. So Jonathan, we are the light of the world. Where does the light Bring the world. Our light shines towards the day of reconciliation. Philippians 2 14 and 15.
2: Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you
1: shine like stars in the world. Okay. Our example should be like stars in the world. We should be, our example should be look up worthy. The example of Christianity, people should say, "You want to look at at the character of that guy Jonathan. He's different, and they should be able to look up to that character because it stands on different ground than the world. That's what being the light of the world is. Our character should be look up worthy." This verse also show uh, this next verse shows us both being reflective of the light and actually carrying and being light old testament verse but it brings all of these aspects together isaiah 60 verses 1 through 3
2: arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord has risen upon you for behold darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples but the lord will rise upon you and his glory will
1: appear upon you okay your light has come we are reflecting the light in those previous verses. And now in the next verse, verse 3, we also must be the light. Isaiah 60, verse 3. Nations
2: will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising.
1: Okay, when and where is that going to happen? That's a prophecy. That's going to come true. We're going to get to when and where that's going to happen in just a moment. First, oh, Jonathan, I'm sorry, you had a, you had a thought here.
2: Yeah, Rick, there is so much darkness out there that if we're shining our light, it should be obvious.
1: Well, you know what? You're right. It's obvious, but darkness, when people are in darkness and they're used to darkness, light hurts their eyes. Good point. And so a lot of times you see the light and you just shield yourself like, oh, wait, that's way too bright. That's part of the challenge of the world today is the light of true Christianity will hurt their eyes. That's okay. It's all right. Doesn't mean that you know we're going to say, oh, you've got to see the light right now. There's something bigger in that. Let's last sound by Jonathan. We're going to go back to Rebel Media. The war on traditional values has created a, a lost, angry, and confused generation. And um, there's something she, she's wrapping this up actually in, in kind of a positive way in terms of what's happened to the world and what the world is now missing by taking away the values of things like uh, Christianity,
3: as Brendan O'Neill has stated. Nothing speaks more profoundly to the crisis of character than the phrase, I identify as. I am a builder, I am a mother, I am a Jew. There was a confidence, a certainty to their sense of identity, and to their declaration of it. O'Neill's words ring true when looking at the millennial crisis of character. It's tough to know who you are when all the guidelines have been doused in oil and burned, even for things previously seen as innate, such as gender. To be fair, no one wants to be held down by societal constraints. No one wants to be forced to have a certain religion, two and a half kids, a white picket fence, and a dog named Spot. Not that there's anything wrong with that, it's just going to suit everyone. But instead of just being open to other ideas than this nuclear family and traditional lifestyle, what postmodernism has wrought is the deconstruction and rejection of old ideas, most of which still hold a lot of value.
1: So, so what she's saying is postmodernism has taken away the confidence of identity, and that is so powerful because now, Jonathan, what we see in our society are people clamoring to find what their identity is, and, and they're coming up blank and empty.
2: And before the podcast, Rick, you were talking about how terrorism can really work to the advantage of society in that state. Y-
1: yeah. Well, well, what happens is when society is in that state of not having firmness and identity, Terrorism has a much easier way of of rising and, and overcoming. And I think that's why a lot of terrorism is in Europe, because Europe especially has walked away from firmness of standards. Now, not to say America isn't, because America is running from such things, just that Europe is further ahead. Uh, well, you know, I say ahead, you know, that's backwards. Ahead on the road to <laughs> on the road to perdition and destruction, okay? And and so and that's why terrorism can have such a great foothold, because the identity of the people is not clear. And part of what Christianity is and does is it gives us clear cut identity. So look. Let's talk about, for the balance of our podcast, our light should shine as from a city set upon a hill. This is a dramatic picture. This is an inspirational picture. How are we, that city, set upon a hill as true Christianity? First thing is we have to always keep the most important thing the most important thing, and that is the gospel of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 6, is, I think, the core of the answer to how Christianity is really the light of the world.
2: And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God.
1: Okay, now folks, follow this. It says our gospel is veiled. Remember we said that the light hurts their eyes? And they, yes. they can't look because it's too bright. And in this verse, it says, the the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they can't see the light. They can't look at the light. It's not recognized as light. It's recognized as pain. So they can't see it. All right? That's part. So So how is Christianity the light of the world if the world can't see the light? Ah, just wait because the answer to that comes in the next part of this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6.
2: For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ.
1: Okay, so the light that shines out of darkness, that's the thing. It shines out of darkness, and it gives us the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ. It points to Christ. So the beacon that we have points to Christ. It points to God. And the world looks at that and says, I can't see that. It's too bright. It hurts my eyes. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. I'm not looking. Now, Christianity is the light of the world, pointing to those things. That's our job. It looks like there is no success in that. But wait, there's more, okay? There's more. Next scripture is going to put all of that in, 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 a, in, in a very, very clear uh, perspective and understanding, because the next scripture we're going to talk about tells us how the people of the world are actually going to recognize Finally, recognize that light. Um, so, Jonathan, first off, we have to preach Jesus even if no one listens, all right? We have to live Jesus even if no one watches. We have to be bound to that message because it shines from the inside out. Because if that's what we are made of, that's what we must do. We preach Jesus, we live Jesus, we think Jesus, and we, and we give a sense of something different than the world.
2: And Rick, it's because our light shines towards the day of
1: reconciliation. Right, right. And that is exactly, exactly, exactly where the world will end up. That's They will see what Christianity stood for beforehand and say, oh, now I get it. But they're not going to say that now because the light hurts their eyes, because they're blinded. But they will say that later. So the work that you do now will have its effect later. You are investing lights into the world. The investment takes time to, to mature. Once the investment comes to maturity, then there is goodness that comes from it.
2: And they will then praise and honor the Lord when that light comes to them.
1: Once that happens, now it's going to take some time. Okay? One last quick little quote from Desiderius uh, Erasmus. Give light, and the darkness will disappear of itself. Simple quote, simple statement. Now, here's the thing. In the case of Christianity, in the case of Bible prophecy, the light doesn't naturally dissipate the darkness immediately. It's a long-term effect. We are God's light. This means... That we should be naturally showing the world the the meaning of light in the mighty contrast to the kings, the kinds of light that they naturally seek. The world seeks different kinds of light, and they're not very good kinds of light. Satan poses as an angel of light. Why? Because the kind of light that he'll show you is attractive. It's not so bright that it hurts your eyes, and it just brings you down a road that ends up being dark because Satan will withdraw that light at any time he wants to, because it's, he's not a standard-bearer of true light. First Peter 2, 9-12, to 12, Jonathan, this will be our final scripture. I'm going to take a few minutes to get through it. This tells us what the result of being the light of the world is. This is about what we are being trained to do and what the results will be. This is why we are the light of the world. First Peter uh, chapter 2 let's do verses um, verse, uh, verse verse 9 yeah one verse at a time okay.
2: But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light.
1: Okay. It talks about what you, what true Christianity is. And it says a lot of things. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you can proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his light because now you have become light. And having become light, you have now these titles that you are being trained for. So this light has many facets and shines out in a lot of different ways. As a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, it gives you a sense of your whole life is about something totally different than everybody else that you ever met. What's next?
2: For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you
1: have received mercy. So this light not only has many facets, as it just said in, that, in the previous verse, but now this light is the embodiment of mercy and grace. You see, Jonathan, the beauty of it is because the light isn't ours, we can't claim uh, that we made it up or we developed it, or look what we invented, or look what we enhanced. We can't enhance the light of God through Christ, but we can reflect it, we can shine it. And so that shows the incredible mercy to give someone like you or I that privilege who's so broken down and so wrong in our in our humanity give us that privilege it shows that this light of god is the embodiment of mercy and grace verses 11 to uh 11 and 12
2: beloved i urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul keep your behavior excellent among the gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evil doers they may because of your good deeds as they observe them Glorify God in the day of visitation.
1: So when they make fun of you, and that's why we played all those sound bites from the guy making fun of us because for that okay they will be able to see the glory of god once they're raised in that day of visitation and they will be able to give glory to god for those of us who stood against the ridicule and stood up for it and didn't ridicule back but stood above it and said look you did it out of ignorance you really didn't know and it's too bad you didn't know because you missed something great but now you can experience something great because that's what god is about this light transforms us so we may turn into instruments of transformation for others. So Jonathan, our final light bulb moment is what?
2: The power of our shining as God's light to the world is not in the moment, but it is eternity. Our lives are tools of light in God's hand
1: to give the world inspiration and hope in the future. Okay, our lives are tools of light in God's hand. What we do, what we can be is inspiration for the future the light that we are shining out of ourselves is the light of the world because it's shining toward a new day it's shining toward the day when all will be resurrected jesus said all will hear his voice and come forth some to a resurrection of judgment there will need to be judgment but in that judgment will be the mercy of god's, whoa, the mercy of god's own way own will through jesus and it, that mercy will bring about transformation. And they'll be able to look at the lives of those who are Christian and say, wow, I get that now. That's the light that I should have seen and should have followed. I get it. Their example in a dark world is an inspiration to me now in a light world. Christianity, true Christianity, is, in fact, the light of the world. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we hope you've enjoyed being with us. Uh, We certainly have enjoyed being with you. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, be the light of the world. Think about it. And folks, we love hearing from our listeners. Let us know what you thought about today's topic. Suggest future topics. Start a conversation with us at ChristianQuestions.com. Make sure to download our app at your app store.